0: So uh, if you haven't been here before, my wife and I uh, were just away for three weeks. We had a great time kind of traveling all over the place. We, we flew out to Colorado to drop our boys off at my wife's parents' house in Holyoke, Colorado, which is on the high plains, and they had a blast kind of living life on the farm, driving enormous tractors the size of this room and you know, just playing and, and picking corn and doing all kinds of fun things like that. And then my wife and I, Jade and I traveled to Amsterdam. We flew back from Colorado, the other direction, to go to a conference that in the past has become, been called ICON, for those of you that, that know that, but it's a it's a team leader gathering for all of the different churches in our movement. So there's 30 U.S. churches and approximately 60 teams overseas. There's about 90 different um, uh, groups represented there. And the point was just to kind of... Continue to stay unified as a group and to cast vision and to also hear about what God's doing across the country and around the world. Super encouraging time to be together in that. Uh, really got a lot of personal kind of ministry, people praying for us and sharing really encouraging words for us. But then also getting some real vision for where we're going in, in this next season of movement and also for us as a church. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today and probably the next couple of weeks. So after that, we spent a week in England. My wife and I took a a kind of a second honeymoon. Our our fifth anniversary is today. Best best wife ever, best decision ever. I love you, honey. And we had a great time in South Devon, England. It was just like the English countryside. We drove through like these narrow hedgerows of like 10-foot-high plants, and you're just driving down these crazy little roads in this microcar, and hoping you don't run into some other microcar going way too fast on these windy roads. There's the sheep bleeding outside our windows all day and just eating like all this fun local food and all you know walking through the moor as they call it there and uh just just had a blast being together and just retreating there it was really good. So I'm just really thankful for Beth Morgan as I was typing this I wrote Price but that's not true anymore. So I just want to thank you Beth for for kind of doing my job while I was gone and uh giving us enabling us to to kind of have some real time away without having to manage things here. So thank you. Um, it was really interesting to be in Amsterdam because of all the news that you've heard about all the different attacks going on in Europe and across the world, I was a little on edge, I have to be honest. I wasn't you know, walking in complete you know, faith and free of fear, although you know, I'm always working towards that. When we were in the airport, you know, there's, there's armed guards with machine guns walking around in pairs just patrolling the airport we saw a guy get tackled and taken down in the train station. We, we didn't stick around to find out, like, what was going on in case he had a bomb strapped to him or something. But, you know, there is, there's a lot going on in the world. And being in Amsterdam, you know, a large city in Europe that's very well known, it, you know, there was a little, little bit of nervousness I had there of, of reading the news and, and, you know, potential for fear. It was so interesting going to England and being in the middle of nowhere, you know, just in the middle of these these fields and in the country and feeling like I was you know, sheltered away from it all. But I couldn't help but continue to just kind of gorge myself on the news about what was happening day after day throughout the world. This is an interesting time. I probably don't have to tell you that, but it's a very interesting time in our world, and it's an interesting time for the church. All the things that are are going on around the world from, you know, the terror attacks to racial conflict in the United States – Uh, moral decline, the crazy political scene that we're in right now. There's a lot you could be afraid about. There's a lot to be concerned about. There's, there's just so many different things that feel like maybe the world is falling apart to you. And Hey, we've got challenges here among us, right? Just in your own life, you're finding a new place to live. Maybe you're moving this week or planning to move, uh, you're struggling to balance all the demands of work and and kids and getting food on the table and trying to exercise and all these different things that are going on in life. You're you're faced with difficult bosses or coworkers. You're having to make decisions about your career. You know, even here at the church, we've got we've got some challenges ahead of us. Our lead pastor and and founder has just left. I mean, that, that's a challenging situation. Uh, we, we, our compass program is in need of more volunteers to continue running with the, the baby boom that we've experienced here at the Harbor, right? We've got over 40 to 50 kids every Sunday. It takes a lot of people to, you know, manage even just my own two kids. You know, it's like, it'd be a crazy thing to, to have, you know, 50 kids and trying to teach them about Jesus. So there's a lot of challenges in front of us in this season. All right? And we don't want to be blind to that. We don't want to ignore any of that. That's not what the church is called to. But the question, we want to ask the right question. The question is, what is God calling us to in this season? With all the stuff going on in the world, in our country, and even the challenges that we're facing here, what is God saying to us in this season as the people of God in this little church on the north shore of Boston? What is he saying to us? My sense is that uh, for this season, the Lord is really speaking to us out of Psalm 37. Psalm 37. I feel like he really was wanting us to hang on to this scripture for the next season, the next year at least, maybe beyond that. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn there. We're going to read the first few verses of this in Psalm 37. This is a psalm that David wrote. It should also be up on the screen if you want to read along there. Okay? And this is what we read actually in the beginning of the service. We're going to to read it a couple times. Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself attends only to evil. For the evil doers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. The first thing we notice in this passage is the command repeated three times not to fret. And this is telling us not to give way to fear, but there's also a, a nuance in that word of not giving into anger, either towards God specifically or, or even other people. As we look at all the stuff that's going on in your life or the, the, around the world, the temptation is to, to be afraid and to shake a fist at God. And David is saying one who knew much trouble in his life, much turmoil in the world around him and in his own personal life, do not fret. Don't be afraid and don't give in to anger. Right? Because it says it tends only to evil. There's nothing good that will come out of that. This is hard to do. Right? Everything that we read in the news or experience in our lives, the devil wants to twist and turn into fear and anger. But the opposite response, the one that David is calling his readers to, is to delight. Isn't that incredible? I mean, here's a guy that had a crazy life. You know, his own son betrays him. One of his best friends betrayed him. He spent years running, you know, from the law. A guy that was over him. A, a wild life that saw much trouble. And he's saying, amidst all of that, the call is for us to delight. To find joy. It's incredible. And it's the delight in God. The contrast is clear. In the face of difficult circumstances, don't fret, but delight in God. Yes, the Bible commands us to find delight even when the world or our own world seems to be falling apart. And it doesn't say delight in God when he gives you the desires of your heart. It says the fulfillment of desires happens as a result of our delight in him. Delight in God is available now. God is calling us to be a people that love him with our whole hearts, souls, minds, and with all of our strength. Many of us have heard this so often that it doesn't mean that much anymore. Those of you that grew up in the church. But delight, that is a word that really captures what God is to be for us and what he longs to be for us. To be our ultimate delight. Every day while Jade and I were in Europe, we FaceTime with our boys in, in Colorado. And each time I saw them, I don't know what other word to use besides my heart was just filled with delight. mean, it just lit up because I miss them. You know, I long to be with them. Just pride just beaming out of me and joy to see them. And just, I, I think I was struck more than I ever have been at just about the beauty that is, that is on them, within them, that they are. You know, I just, I'm just beholding beauty as I'm watching them. Even through you know FaceTime. That's our call as the people of God. Above all else, we are to be a people enraptured, in love, completely delighted in who God is, to really love him with everything inside of us, which is how we will glorify him forever. That's it. This is not anything new, is it? I mean, this is, a, this is kind of an old message. You know, love God, share life, proclaim Jesus. We're talking about love God. But this is really where it all comes down to. Amidst all of the chaos that's happening in the world and in, in our country, this is what will root us and ground us. It is delight in God. Everything flows from that. What does delighting in God look like then? Okay, Brian, I'm tracking with you. What does it look like to do that? I mean, what does that really mean? Let's unpack it a little bit. Delight has two aspects to it. It's both a choice and an emotion. It's a command to do something, but it, but there's an affective, like an affection attached to that. It's not just, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna discipline myself. There's an action and a choice, but there is also affection tied into this word. Now, we see some other commands in this passage put in parallel with it. Trusting in God, committing our way to Him, waiting patiently for Him. So it is describing a loving and emotional relationship of trust and commitment that requires patience, as you're relating to another person who has a different agenda often than we do. Neil got me hooked uh, on a blog called uh, Church and Culture. It's written by a guy named James Emery White, who was is the pastor of a large church in North Carolina and who teaches at uh, the Gordon-Conwell campus in Charlotte. And he was, he was uh, once the pastor, uh, sorry, the, um, the head guy, president, thank you. Yes, like, you know, it's a hard word to remember, uh, of the seminary here in, in, uh, at Gordon-Conwell. And he said in a post last week, only within the context of a committed relationship does Jesus promise to reveal himself to us and show us the innermost secret of who he is. We want that intimate disclosure without being serious about the relationship. But Jesus is not indiscriminately intimate. So what will you choose for your life? You know what God is asking you to do. You know how God is asking you to live. You know what this is about, and you know what it will take. What's your decision going to be? Make no mistake. Only one response will give you the life you really want to live. Because your spiritual life is not just another aspect of your existence. Nicely situated alongside your financial life or vocational life. A spiritual life is simply another way of talking about life itself. Every moment and every facet of it from God's perspective. Ouch on me. God is to be everything. Jesus doesn't reveal himself when we are, when we are not fully committed to the relationship that, that we have with him. And this is what the psalmist is talking about. He uses this word commitment. It's commitment to intimacy with God. We do that by giving God our attention. That's probably our most precious gift in our life. Our attention. It's our time plus our mind, our focus of who we are. We can give people our time, but we cannot really be there with them. Right? I do that sometimes with my kids, right? They're playing, I'm kind of with them, but I'm on my phone checking my email. Right? That's not giving them my attention. This is going to require turning your attention away from something else because we only have so much space in our lives and in our souls for things. So the call for us as a church now is to give as much of that space and attention to God as we can muster. If someone asked me what my favorite book was, I'd probably say it was this book. This is the Bible. Okay? Little but as you look back on my life, if you were able to see a videotape of my life, I wonder what my life would really say about if this is really my favorite book and how much I delight in it. And I, I don't want to ask the question to myself about do I really delight in God? Is he really my delight? Do I, do I just wake up in the morning just dying to, like, start talking to God because he is my soul's delight? Lord, have mercy on my soul. Now, as I say this, I think as a church, we're actually doing pretty well in this. Because you guys do delight in the Lord. But for whatever place we are at, this season is a new invitation to, from the Lord, I, I feel, to delight in him like never before. That, we, are, that we, have a, we have a holy obsession with God. We can't stop talking about Jesus. We cannot, we cannot stand being out of his presence for a moment. We can't stand anything in our life that would separate us from him at all. There's a new place that God's calling us to move into. While we were in Colorado, um, on the back end, picking up the boys and and, uh, bringing them back to here, we we spent a little bit of time with Jade's sister in Loveland, Colorado, and that's when the Olympics started. And so, of course, every night, you know, we're just, I'm glued to the TV. Spent all this time, you know, watching the Olympics. And now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching the Olympics, but in some ways, that was my delight for those few days. I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking, oh, you know, what's going on in the Olympics tonight? You know, I'm just kind of looking forward to that. And that is what I chose to give, that's what I chose to give my attention to. In some ways, for me, it was over against God. I'm not saying that all of you watching the Olympics, you know, are now sinners, you know. But for me, I was just saying, I, I felt like I was supposed to spend some of that time with the Lord, and I didn't choose that because my attention was to the Olympics, and that was where I was finding my delight, what I was looking forward to. You know, I spent time watching Michael Phelps make faces in the warm-up room when I could have been taking at least some of that time to discover how utterly delightful God is. And he's longing for us to discover that. As C.S. Lewis says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. If we're gonna become a people of extreme delight in God, we need a fresh commitment to prayer and perseverance in this relationship. Just like a marriage, you put that ring on your finger, you say, I'm doing this. We're doing this. You know, there's no other way out of this except through. We're living this together, we're doing it. As I'm celebrating my anniversary today, it's like, hey, this is a commitment. If it gets tough, we are moving forward. We're going to continue to do this. And as you do that, right, we're discovering more and more delight in one another. And as we make it through the hard times, it's the same with God. He's calling us to prayer, to press into relationship with him like never before. Because what does this world need if not God? Our plans are not going to do it in this world. It has to be the power of God that comes on us as a people. And we are just scratching the surface, I believe, in terms of what God wants to do in our midst. Any amens of that one? Amen. This is the tip of the iceberg, guys. And this is not just me saying this. right? This is coming from, from you know, a lot of what I'm saying today. I'll, 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 I'll tie in more later uh, next Sunday about kind of what the vision of our movement is saying. But, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's many that are sensing that, but it's a time for us to press in if we want to experience all that God wants to do in us. We have to give God more of our attention, recommitting ourselves to a life of passionate prayer. The passage we we read earlier mentions befriending faithfulness, befriending faithfulness, that perseverance, persevering into God, delighting in him. And so we've got to tap into that New England grit, right? Right? It's, it's cold outside and there's four feet of snow. I got a shovel. We're doing this, man. You know, I might be a little grumpy about it. We'll work on that. But we're gritting our teeth, right? This is our calling as New Englanders, committing to this relationship regardless of the results. Now, if we do this, what will the results be? The immediate result is that God will fulfill all of our desires. The deep ones. This passage is talking about the things that we think the other things that really are desires really are is underneath that. You follow what I'm saying? The longings in our heart for things, we often say this is what will satisfy that. Things in the world, whether it's a job or a person or whatever, or the Olympics for me, okay? God is going to be promising. When we find our delight in him, our our, our satisfaction will be completely full for significance, acceptance, and security. Those deep longings of the human heart, those deep needs. But there's a secondary external result as well. The promises here are that God will bring forth righteousness and justice, the kingdom of God on earth, things looking the way that they're supposed to be, and that his people will inherit the land. And this is both a present and a future promise. It will not happen ultimately and fully until Jesus returns, but we can see that now. Just as all those people in Europe, you saw those stats, experienced Jesus this summer and entered into a new relationship with him. As God is moving all over the earth, there's more justice and righteousness flowing out of the people of God. Right? The result is that we will be the light of the world. And the world, let me tell you, is looking for answers right now. Cuz everything that it knows to do is not working to solve the problems in this earth. The only thing that's going to work is a changed heart, and the only one that can change hearts is Jesus. We are the people of God. We are the people that have the answer. His name is Jesus. We have hope, and the world is dying for it. They're looking for a holy man, a holy woman, someone that they know they can come to. Things are falling apart. So what do we want to see? What what do you long for for our community? Defeating cancer? Whether miraculously or through science? Ending poverty in our city? Maybe it's 10% of the people in our city coming to know and having a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's 20%. Maybe it's 50%. There was a time after some of the great awakenings that they could not find in some of the towns in this area an unbeliever. And the Lord is calling us not to the third great awakening, but to the greatest awakening. Okay? It's time to believe for that in this church. And it's only going to happen as we come alive with the fire of God, as we choose Minute to minute, moment to moment, day by day, to delight ourselves in the Lord. Our calling is to send a stream of workers overseas to the ends of the earth. That's the calling on this church and our movement. But it's also to the city and to see the greatest awakening happen so that we can see Jesus face to face. And our kids won't have to ever die because Jesus will come back before that happens. I want to see that. But it's only going to happen is if our delight is in the Lord delight in him and he will give you the desires of your heart and the desires that you long to see for your coworkers, your family members, your neighbors. It only happens as we delight in him. Let's have the band come back up. So I think it's appropriate that we didn't do communion last week. because We're going to do communion today. And um, how is all of this possible? It's because of what Jesus has done. So this message, I hope you haven't felt any condemnation in this message because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is an invitation. The communion table is an invitation as well. It's an invitation, again, into the family of God, knowing that that only happens because Jesus died on the cross. Everything that separated us from God, all the wickedness that's in our hearts, all our selfishness, all our wrong motives and desires, all the evil things that we've said, Jesus came to remove all that. He took the punishment for our sins on the cross. His body was the sacrifice, and his blood is what washes us clean. And so we're going to separate that. Uh, We're we're going to celebrate that today. And uh, would you guys be available to serve communion? Thanks, on this side. Um, So what I want you to do is we we take communion here just by coming down the aisles as you're ready to take it. And the invitation is before you come up, just deal with the Lord a little bit. Lord, what am I delighting in? The question I want you to ask is what am I delighting in that is not that is is keeping me from delighting in you. It's not wrong to delight in other things. You need to delight in your kids and your family and your job and all that. The Lord calls us to be grateful. But if there is something in your life that is keeping you from delighting in him, I just want you to ask him that today. And then please do that before you come up. And then as you're ready, as you've dealt with the Lord, if you need to confess whatever with him, then come forward and take communion, okay? On the back end, we're going to have a couple songs after that. So we're going to sing one communion song, and then we'll we'll have a couple songs after that. But let's just deal with the Lord on a personal level first, okay? Let me pray, and then as you're ready, you can come forward and receive communion. Lord, you want us to delight in you because you are the ultimate delight. You know that we will never be fully satisfied until our hearts are just delighted in you. And, Lord, I know for me, there are so many more levels of delight that are available in Jesus. The Holy Spirit... For everyone here, there's, there's more to be had. There's more delight. That is the word you are offering to us, God. The joy that you are offering to us. Let us come and, and just recommit today, Lord, to finding you and committing to this relationship that we've spoken about. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus' name.